Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Today, it's, it is, as Pastor Jessica mentioned earlier in the service, it is that time of year. Uh, you know, where we're, our thoughts, our minds are turned towards Thanksgiving um, as we have a day set aside this week that we uh, just focus on the exercise of giving thanks. And, um, you know, the, here's, here's the thing that I want to just really throw in here, and I'm going I'm to elaborate on it a little bit more in just a second. Um, I, I think it's incredible that we have a day set aside that we collectively as a nation, as a people, focus on giving thanks. But I want to remind you today that it was mankind, not God, who designated a day for thanksgiving. Okay? And I, I, you say, well, well duh. But no, I, I want to emphasize that because there's a little bit of a hazard tied up in that. And, and the hazard that's tied up in that is that if we're not careful, we can relegate the practice of thanksgiving to the seasons in church life when something, a particular subject gets a little bit of extra emphasis and then we're like, oh yeah, that's a thing. But the truth of the matter is thanksgiving as a part of a spiritual discipline is not something that should be relegated to a day or a week of the year. It's a practice in which you and I need to be engaged in all year long, day after day after day after day, 365 days of a year, because I believe the power of giving thanks to the Lord is a grossly underestimated part of our spiritual disciplines. It's not a bad thing that there's a day appointed to bring focus collectively to the practice of thanksgiving, except that it was never intended to be a mandate for your personal life and walk with the Lord. So, if, if you were to ask me today, say, Pastor Steve, what could a man do to be incredibly wealthy? My, 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 my answer to you would be that if you could find a way to manufacture, to package, and, and sell peace. Then you would be, and that is a wonderful entrepreneurial endeavor for you. If anybody wants to try that, take it on. Because I'm telling you, you would be wealthy beyond your imagination. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Steve? I know that because there are untold millions of people today who are incredibly wealthy because they manufacture and distribute things under the guise of bringing peace into your life, but it's a smoke and mirrors game. Once you get there, once you partake thereof, once you've got possession of, you realize that it's left you empty still and there's nothing there and you keep coming back, people keep coming back over and over and over to drink from a well that is a cracked cistern that holds no water that does not refresh, that does not satisfy, and that does not bring peace into their lives. Examples. I mean, they're endless. Bars, narcotics dealers, 
even to some degree pharmaceutical industries are, are all centered. We're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to help you find some peace and some solace in life. And I'm telling you today, if you could just, you could just, you could just package that up every day, products are sold promising to offer us a little peace. People are in search of something in this world that can help them escape the pain of life, even if just for a little while. And, and you know, peace is so precious in this world that we live in simply because of its rarity. It's a rare thing to just run across somebody at peace. How many of you ever just, like, take note, okay? Be aware. Can I challenge you with that? Be aware of who you're around, who's around you, how things are going. Don't just stumble through tomorrow. Don't just stagger through the rest of this week. Be aware. Pay attention to who's around you and, and things that are being said and, and attitudes and all those things. And, and what you're going to find out is this, that you know there, there, there's a rarity among people who have peace. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of worry, there's a lot of distress, there's a lot of despondency, but there's not a lot of peace. And in, in the gospel, it's recorded that Jesus once wept over the city of Jerusalem. And he says these words, Oh Jerusalem, if only you had known the things that will make for your peace. And in other words, if only you had known how the pieces fit together for your life so that you can have a peace-filled life. If only you had known the ingredients that make for a peaceful life. Man, how different life for you would be. How different life for me would be if we could just figure out how all the parts fit together to make for a peaceful life. And, and, you know, how often, I, as I read that word of Jesus there, weeping over Jerusalem, all Jerusalem, if only you had known, I've got to ask, how often do many of us weep over our own lives just trying to figure out how to cobble a few things together to make for a peaceful life? How many hours do we spend crying in anguish and calling out and just saying, oh, this is so terrible, this, if I could just... We live in the constant contingency of if only, right? How many of you have ever just lived in the throes of if only to find out that once if only ever arrived, then all of a sudden if only is not what you thought it was going to be and it's still empty there. So there you are, still stuck in the contingency of if only. Well, today I want to help you. I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to take a look today at a passage. We're going to start with the end and back up and figure out how the apostle arrives at his conclusion, okay? Um, we're going to be looking at this a little bit in reverse, if you will. But we're going to be covering first a desired destination because I believe the destination that Paul arrives at is the destination that each and every one of us today would like to arrive at, especially this week as we focus and turn our attention to Thanksgiving. Is that good? Okay. So we're going to learn some things about Thanksgiving and how that fits as a big part of peace in our lives. So Isaiah told, foretold uh, of the life of Christ some 700 years before it came to be. 
And in one passage in Isaiah chapter 9, he names, recounts many of the names of Christ. We've sang about it already here this morning. And he says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it's a familiar passage. You're going to see it. You're going to get it on Christmas cards here in the coming weeks. You're going to see it all over the place on billboards. And it's this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. Mighty God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Right? Prince of peace. So I want to I want to focus in right there because among those names that Isaiah gave that would be indicative of the benefits that were made available through the atoning work of Christ was the name Prince of Peace. And I've got to, you know, I've just got to because, again, we need to be aware. And one of the things that you and I most need to be aware of in this life is ourself. Like, what's going on in here? What's going on in here? And how what's going on in here is affecting what's going on in here? And we need to have that awareness. And I've got to ask you, and it's not, it's not an indictment, but it's just simply some food for thought here this morning, is to say that in all of this, that we are a body of believers, and we serve, and we honor, and we worship the Prince of Peace. Then I've got to be like the psalmist and say, Why art thou disquieted within me? Why am I heart sick? Why am I tore up? Why am I anxious all the time if the God I serve is the Prince of Peace? Might it be that somewhere along the way we're not processing life according to faith? Might it be somewhere along the way that the enemy has sown the seed of a lie and we're living more according to the lie than we are according to the truth? I know distressing times will come. We'll cover that in just a minute. But that's just some food for thought here. In another passage, Isaiah foretells of the suffering of Jesus for for our atonement. And he says, who has believed our message? Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, and he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. But surely he took our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted here we are verse 5 but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and the your word maybe says the chastisement of our peace but the translation I'm reading here says the punishment that brought us peace was on him the punishment that brought him peace in other words today if you're here and peace seems elusive it's not because it has not been provided for 
Jesus bore stripes not only for your healing, but the chastisement of your peace and my peace was upon him. The debt has already been paid. It's been purchased. It's up to us to get up and walk in the victory that he has already provided for us. Did you catch that? The price for you and I to live in peace has already been paid. Here's the good news for you and I. While the world is paying such a high premium to secure a little temporary relief from their frustrations, their worry, their anxiety, the Lord of glory has paid a price for you and I to have everlasting peace. In fact, there's a wonderful descriptive of the peace that Christ offers us found in Philippians chapter 4. I asked you to turn there earlier. And I believe it's a destination at which all of us would like to arrive. It's a place where so many are longing to live and it's something that has eluded so many And it says this, Paul is writing to the church and he goes through this exercise of faith. And he he walks these people through steps of faith and then he arrives at this place and says, and if you'll do these things, here's where you'll end up. He says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to emphasize a few things here. Number one, I want to emphasize the source. The source. You know, we we spend a lot of time wringing hands, wrung up, anxious, because we're looking for temporal situations and circumstances and possessions and things to line up, to come to us, that are finally one day going to equal our peace. Not so. I'm telling you that all you've got to do is just dig into the life of some of the most affluent, influential, wealthy people on the planet and you will find out that money can't buy you happiness. Possessions cannot give you the peace that you so desire. You, you watch some of these documentaries about the lives of people. I mean, that we just look on and we say, oh man, they've got it made. They've just, they've got it. They are the most tormented individuals on the planet. Messed up. You hear me? Messed up. Bad. No peace. Nowhere. Like, crazy. And I emphasize this because Paul says that it is the peace of God. So I need you to consider the source, consider the source from which you are seeking peace today. Are you looking peace from any other place? Because I can tell you this, that peace from any other place is temporal and it's fleeting at very best. Why? Because life is always fluid. Life is always changing. Circumstances will always change. Situations will always be different. And if you're waiting until life just gets nailed down in this one little place, just give it about 10 minutes. It's about to shift and wreck your world all over again. But if your peace is found in God, the peace that you and I seek is not of earthly substance. It's it's not found in any other place, but God is both the source and supplier of any kind and every kind of lasting peace. Now, I want to share with you something that the Lord impressed on me as I was studying this verse concerning this phrase that this peace surpasses all understanding. I I may be wrong. I may be wrong, but I, I just, I believe according to human behavior, 
I think there's a lot of people who assume that in order to have the peace of God, once the peace of God comes in, it's going to override their awareness. Like, you know, Calgon, take me away. Just like there's, there's no, I, I'm just serenity, and I don't, I'm not even aware of all the stuff that's going on in my life right now. I just, I've got the peace of God and I, I don't have any worries, I don't have any concerns, I don't have any troubles. The peace of God surrounds me, and I've lost all awareness, and I'm oblivious to the fact that life is happening around me right now, and we're just going to pass through happy-go-lucky all the time without a care in the world. In other words, it almost seems with many that there's a sense that the peace of God is somehow going to affect their minds in such a way that like a narcotic drug does here on earth that it just it just covers everything up it just numbs the pain with no harmful side effects and i believe there's an expectation or anticipation that somehow the that god is going to numb our senses in some way making us unaware of the realities of life and in some way we're not going to be able to understand that's not what this means that's not what surpasses all understanding means the peace of God surpassing understanding means that you and I can take a realistic view of life. We can assess all its troubles, we can assess all its challenges, we can assess all the difficulties, and we lift all those things into the light of the glory of God, the omnipotence of God, the, the, his, He is Jehovah Jireh. We, we lift it up that He's our healer. We lift it up that, that he's, gonna, he's our sign of victory. And we hold all these things in the light of His glory. And we say, you know what? It doesn't matter because greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. I know what's going on. I'm fully aware, but I've got faith in God that even if I have to pass through the lion's den he's going to be there with me even if i have to go through the fiery furnace he's going to be here with me it's all right if he doesn't deliver me out of the furnace he's going to deliver me through the fire and it's going to be all right does that make sense okay so consider consider with me another phrase as we're talking about this surpasses all understanding uh, from the bible that's called life in christ How many of you have life in Christ? Show of hands. Right? Okay. You can, you can put them down. The key point that I want to stress to you here is life. Service to the Lord. Christian faith. None of those things happen in a vacuum. Service to the Lord doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a reason that Paul describes the Christian walk as newness of life. Therefore, Romans chapter 6, we are buried with him through baptism into death that, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And the reason for this is because as believers, you and I are to experience life, real life. The good times, the bad times, the joys, the pains, the elation, the sorrow. We're supposed to experience all of it. But we experience all of it 
from a different perspective than the natural man without Christ. We, we experience it, life in Christ. Real life. Real stresses, real strains, real heartbreak, real joy, real satisfaction, real happiness, real emotion, fully cognitive of what's happening in the world around us. But in Christ, we negotiate these things and we navigate the waters of life in a brand new way. And surpassing all understanding means that I'm looking at my situation, I'm surveying my needs, I'm fully aware of what the bank statement says, I'm fully aware of what the doctor's report says, I'm fully aware of the dysfunction in my own life and in my family, I'm completely knowledgeable about the stresses and the strains, the demands of life, yet even with the fullness of this understanding, and I must have this understanding to be able to exercise the wisdom over my circumstances that God would have me, there's a peace that transcends all of it that assures me that if he is for me nobody can stand against me and that he's working all of it for my good I think that that we'd agree that this is a wonderful destination so how do we get to this place how, how do we find and secure the peace that is elusive to so many? Paul gives us instructions in the previous verses here of Philippians chapter 4. And here we go. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And here we go. You ready? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay? I'm, I'm going to say something to you right here that may seem a little bit difficult to digest because in our world today, worry and stress has become so ingrained in who we are as a people that it's almost as if it's expected for you and I to be worried or, or anxious or something all the time about something. But step one here is, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, do not worry. And this is a real challenge here, and I want, you to, I want you to hang here with me real close. Because I want to present this to you, and if you're, if you're here today and you say, oh, pastor, I'm an anxious person and I worry a lot, and I, this and this, I know we all have natural bents and tendencies and things like that, and you know what, I've been through seasons in my life when I laid awake at night too, so it's, it's all good. But I want to challenge you with this thought here, and that is that worry is an expression of faithlessness. Okay? Just, just, just digest, meditate on that for a minute. Worry is an expression of faithlessness. Therefore, I might suggest to you that, that worry meets the classification of sinfulness. So the first step at arriving at the peace of God is don't Don't worry. I know that's easier said than done, but step two then is take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Worry about, be anxious for nothing, but in all things. The big things, the small things, the in-between things, take it all to the Lord in prayer. We could do an entire, another six, eight-week series just on this phrase, but suffice to say, be anxious for nothing and pray about everything. And then step three is an often overlooked step towards the peace of God in our prayer life, and that is that our prayer needs to be mingled with thanksgiving. 
Here's a part of the message where we kind of check out many times. We, we understand that, that if we want peace, we should pray, but too often our approach to prayer is one-sided. And we lose a lot of the benefit of a prayer life when we approach prayer from a one-sided perspective. And, you know, we, we understand that if we want peace, we should pray, and we've got the petition part down. We, we make the prayer list, and we come to God with the list to make our petitions known to Him, right? Bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord, indeed. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. We should trust God for that. But we, we understand bringing our request to the Lord, but we're not simply to, to pray and then stand around wringing our hands, wondering if the Lord is going to answer or when. And let's face it, even, even, even though sometimes we go through the motion of step two, we've often never fully satisfied the requirement of step one. Step one was, don't worry. Step two is pray. And so oftentimes we come to pray, but we've never, we've never gotten beyond step one, which is, hey, don't, it's, God's got this. So we come in the faithlessness of worry, and we lay things down. And, and I know that God, God understands the heaviness of heart. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not. Faith is not the absence of challenge. Faith is not the absence of emotion. Faith is not the absence of worry. Faith is a, is a forward step even in the face of it. Okay? So we're going through the step, but we come in to pray anxious, and after we've prayed, we get up and we leave just as anxious as we were when we knelt down. And we never experience any real kind of peace. Our approach to prayer has to be one of confidence. It has to be one of confidence. It's, it's a move of boldness. Not only do we need to approach the place of prayer with confidence, but we need to learn to leave it with the same. I want to say that again. That, that didn't hit some of you. Not only do we need to approach the altar with confidence, but we need to learn to leave it with the same. Are, are you with me? Because, because so oftentimes we, we leave the altar, again, full of contingencies. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Pastor, why, why do you think over in third world countries and all these places that you, see, that you see all these miracles and healings and things taking place and you don't see that in the American church? I said, that's very simple because we have too many contingencies. We've, we've already got plan B for what we're going to do if God doesn't show up and show out. I hope that God heals me, but if he don't... No, 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 we, we can't do that. No, uh-uh, that, that's leaving without the confidence that we approached. I mean, we come up, we approach, I know he can, I know he can, I know he can, we walk away, but if he don't, got to have that same confidence going away that we had coming in. And, and we learn a lot from Jesus' example of prayer here, and, and there was this one instance when Jesus prayed, and I want you to bear in mind this, this way that Jesus prayed next time you prayed. And then they took away the stone, the word says in John chapter 11, from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
And I know that you always hear me. I didn't, I didn't feel like he heard me. He heard you. I, I just, ah, the heavens seem like brass. He heard you. I just, I didn't sense the, he heard you. He heard you. It's good. He's got you. Thanksgiving in this context is an expression of the same in our prayers. When we come in and we're thankful, not only making our petitions known, but we're recounting the goodness of God that we've tasted and seen that he is good. It's that same confidence in saying, Lord, I know that you answered me in the past. I know that you've been with me through this trial. I know that you're going to be with me through the one I'm getting ready to go through. God, I'm confident in you. It's an expression of confidence. Lord, I thank you that you've heard my prayer. I thank you that you've exercised my, having exercised my benefit as a believer. I can now rest in the knowledge that you've heard my cry. Thanksgiving as it pertains to prayer is remembering what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Thanksgiving is reassuring ourselves that God, what God has done, he will do again. David, David wasn't worried when the giant came out. You, you remember what David said when the giant came out? Everybody else was quaking in their boots. Everybody else was quaking in their boots because they had no experience with God. David was a man who had experience with God. He had experience with the anointing of the Lord when the bear came out against his father's sheep, when the lion came out against his father's sheep, and he said, the bear and the lion came out and I slew them with my hands, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in the past, and help me with this giant that's in front of me right now. Let me tell you today that a great part of your peace is wrapped up in giving thanks to God for all the things that he's done. Be anxious for nothing. Trust God in everything. No more wringing of hands after prayer, but rather giving thanks. And the peace of God, we're back at that destination again. I believe this with all my heart. That if you'll rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice and, and, and be anxious for nothing. But bring all things to the throne of grace with a boldness and a confidence. Knowing that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And just pray that prayer of Jesus and say, Lord, I thank you that you hear my prayer and you always hear my prayer I know this time's going to be no different faithfulness is at your very core of your nature faithfulness is a part of your character power is wrapped up in your being God I know that you're greater than what I'm facing right now and I believe that you're going to break through my situation my circumstance and whether you change it or not you're going to see me through it and I'm going to cling to you. And I thank you for the hope that's mine in Christ Jesus. Amen. Do you have that hope today? 
Do you have that hope today? Would you just bless the Lord if you have that hope today? I want to invite you to stand all over this congregation today. And my prayer for you at Thanksgiving 2022 is that as you engage in the exercise of giving thanks, certainly you're already a prayerful people. But as you focus on Thanksgiving and what the Lord has done, that the peace of God that passes all understanding would flood your heart and your mind in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. By show of hands today, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around. I want to ask you today, if you're in this place and you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know peace. I haven't known peace. I've been searching. I've been looking. Can I tell you today that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace? And if you don't know Him today as your personal Lord and Savior, we would love to pray with you and we'd love to believe God for a transformative work in your life that will help you find peace. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to know that peace. Just slip a hand up wherever you are right now. If you're watching online, if you want to drop a, if you want to drop a message to our church, we'd love to have one of our pastoral team reach out to you and uh, minister to you at the close of this service. We would love to connect with you. So just, just drop that. You can drop it in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. But anybody in this room? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Listen, can we just pause here for just a few, just a second? We're going we're gonna to conclude today gathered around the Lord's table and just celebrating and giving thanks for what's been done for us. I'm Bill, you and Joe, there's a young lady right back here on the back that lifted her hand. I want you guys to go over and minister to her right now. Would you celebrate that? Would you just give the Lord praise for that right now? No, back. Right back. Lift it up again. There we are. Yep. Let's just commit our hearts, all of us afresh right now, to the service of the Lord. Father, we love you today. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that the chastisement of our peace has already been taken. You you wiped the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us you have you have wiped that out and you have removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west and we now can stand in confidence making our petitions known knowing that you have loved us with an everlasting love knowing that you are more concerned about our situations even than we are What an incredible thought. And we thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you that by your stripes we are healed. We thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity here just in moments 
to hold in hand bread that symbolizes a body that was broken, that was beaten, that was scourged, that was abused, so that we would not have to endure the suffering of our sin. You paid it all. We thank you, Lord, that in a moment we're going to hold a cup symbolic of something that was provided for us that we could never provide for ourselves the blood of Jesus the blood of the precious Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and Lord today we stand as we hold this cup covered in your blood righteous in the sight of a holy God something we could never achieve on our own we thank you Lord today for a body that's been beaten a body that was laid down as a sacrificial offering a body Lord that has been offered to satisfy the penalty of judgment that was against us and we rejoice we rejoice in the Lord as instructed by Paul we rejoice today in the Lord we rejoice in those that are finding faith right now who are watching online. We rejoice in the, those, Lord, that from our 90 and 90 testimonies who have been finding faith for the last several weeks, Lord, who've been coming to Christ, who've been rededicating their hearts and lives. We thank you, Lord, and we give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you all the honor. We bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.